Rose Harbor was in bloom. Purple rhododendrons and red azaleas dotted the property. I stood on the porch, leaning against the thick white post, and looked over the property for my bed and breakfast. The inn at Rose Harbor was beautifully scripted on the wooden sign and was prominently displayed in the front of the yard, along with my name, Joe Marie Rose, as proprietor. I never planned on owning or operating a bed and breakfast, but then I never expected to be a widow in my thirties either. If I'd learned anything in this road called life, it said it often takes unexpected turns, rerouting us from the very path that had once seemed so right. My friends advised me against purchasing the inn. They felt the move was too drastic. It meant more than just moving and leaving my job. It would mean an entire life change. Many thought I should wait at least a year after losing Paul. But my friends were wrong. I'd found peace at the inn, and, somewhat to my surprise, a certain contentment. Until I purchased the inn, I'd lived in a condo in the heart of downtown Seattle. Because of my job and other responsibilities, I hadn't had pets, well, other than as a youngster. But shortly after I moved to Cedar Cove, I got Rover. In only a few short months, I'd grown especially fond of him. He'd become my shadow, my constant companion. Rover was a rescue dog I'd gotten through Grace Harding, the Cedar Cove librarian. Grace volunteered at the local animal shelter, and she'd recommended I adopt a dog. I thought I wanted a German shepherd. Instead, I'd come home with this indiscriminate mixed-breed short-haired mutt. The shelter had dubbed him Rover because it was clear he'd been on his own roaming about for a good long time. My musings were interrupted by mutterings from the area where I planned to plant a rose garden and eventually add a gazebo. The sound came from Mark Taylor, the handyman I'd hired to construct the sign that stood in the front yard. Mark was an interesting character. I'd given him plenty of work, but I had yet to figure out if he considered me a friend. He acted like my friend most of the time, but then every so often he turned into a grumpy, unlikable, cantankerous, unreasonable... The list went on. What's up? I called out. Nothing, he barked back. Apparently the ill-tempered monster had returned. Months ago I'd asked Mark to dig up a large portion of the yard for a rose garden. He told me this project would be low on his priority list. He seemed to work on it when the mood struck him, which unfortunately wasn't often, but still I thought a month or two would be adequate in between the other projects he'd done for me. To be fair to Mark, though, it had been a harsh winter. Still, my expectations hadn't been met. I'd wanted the rose bushes planted by now. I'd so hoped to have the garden in full bloom in time for the open house I planned to host for the Cedar Cove Chamber of Commerce. The problem, or at least one of them, was the fact that Mark was a perfectionist. He must have taken a week simply to measure the yard— String and chalk markings crisscrossed from one end of the freshly mowed lawn to the other. Yes, Mark had insisted on mowing at first, before he measured. Normally, I'm not this impatient, but enough was enough. Mark was a skilled handyman. I had yet to find anything he couldn't do. He was an all-purpose kind of guy, and most of the time I felt lucky to have him around. It seemed as time progressed I found more and more small jobs that required his attention. New to this business and not so handy myself, I needed someone I could rely on to make minor repairs. 
As a result, the plans for the rose garden had basically been ignored until the very last minute. At the rate Mark worked, I'd resign myself to the fact that it wasn't possible for it to be ready before Sunday afternoon. I watched as he straightened and wiped his forearm across his brow. Looking up, he seemed to notice I was still watching him from the porch. You gonna complain again? he demanded. I didn't say a word. Reading his mood, I forced myself to bite my tongue before I said something to set him off. All Mark needed was one derogatory word from me as an excuse to leave for the day. You didn't need to say anything, Mark grumbled. I can read frowns, too. Rover raised his head at Mark's less-than-happy tone, and then looked back at me as though he expected me to return the verbal volley. I couldn't help being disappointed, and it would have been easy to follow through with a few well-chosen words— Instead, I smiled ever so sweetly, determined to hold my tongue. All I could say was that it was a good thing Mark charged by the job and not by the hour. Just say what's on your mind, he insisted. I thought I told you I wanted the rose garden planted before I held the open house, I said, doing my level best not to show my frustration. You might have mentioned this earlier, then, he snapped. I did. Clearly it slipped my mind. Well, don't get your dander up. It wasn't worth fighting about at this late date. The invitations were mailed, and the event, ready or not, was scheduled for this very weekend. It would be nothing short of a miracle if Mark finished before then. No need to get upset about it now.